Players are recorded live in-game. Audio quality may vary. Sonic Realms. Roleplay. Made real, real, real. Just pretend, Kirk. <sighs> Just let it happen to you. Yeah, you'll be over the, you'll be over the thing in no time. You'll be fine. Oh my god. Fine. Just take it easy, right? <sighs> okay. All right. All right. Kurt's shirt collar is cold and wet with sweat. It takes all of his willpower to keep his composure and prevent himself from screaming. The potential gunfight between a gang of orcs seems preferable to this aerial ingress as he imagines which bones would break if he were to suddenly fall. As he sees the fence and guard posts slowly pass beneath him, the situation stresses his heart rate and mental focus to their limits. The swarm slowly begins to descend to a shadowy area near the small storage buildings. The ground comes closer and closer until his feet make contact. Okay. I'm down. Without a word, the butterflies fly straight up in a shaft around Kurt and disappear into the night sky. Kurt wills his shaky legs to lean against a shadowy wall and wipes away the sweat that had been stinging his eyes. Dreger's binoculars partially hide his concerned facial expression as he watches the guard for any sudden movements. A blurry object floats in front of his line of sight and he lowers the binoculars. He looks up and sees black and purple butterflies descending upon him. He quickly stuffs his binoculars in his jacket as he begins to slowly ascend. (laughs) Kurt, you didn't say these things were ticklish. Drager remains totally calm as he rides the spirit over the security post, taking in the lay of the land. Hey everyone, uh, from up here it still looks quiet. There's no extra personnel anywhere, it's weird. Yeah, what he said. Good, let's hope it remains that way. Are you alright, Kurt? Yeah. Alright, try to get into position, both of you. The ground grows larger in Drager's vision until he safely touches down. (coughs) Drager adjusts his armored jacket as if he was disembarking a subway and flattens his back against the corner of a nearby building. Okay, let's see what we can see. Hez sees the butterflies returning for Jet. I place my hand on her shoulder. Good luck to Tangeline. Jet places her palm on Hez's massive hand, which covers her entire shoulder. Good luck, Hez. Hez drops her hand as Jet begins to rise into the night, never breaking eye contact. Beneath her mask, Jet has a mixture of exhaustion and trepidation upon her face. Hez gets smaller and smaller as the distance grows between them. Jet catches a stunning view of the glittering San Francisco skyline before she is turned around towards the docks. I feel a little left out. You really missed out. Just ask uh, ask her to do it some other time. You totally should. It's really fun. Perhaps as she gets stronger, they will too. Jet lands and immediately leans on a nearby building. A lack of sleep, plus the strain of keeping Kurt and Drager invisible, is taking its toll. We're all inside. I've got to drop the invisibility on someone now. It's too much. Kurt will pass the camera when he opens up the gate for me. 
Well, Hez, you're going to need to be invisible too. Perhaps Traeger can get behind something and hide while he becomes visible. Then we can make him invisible again and get him into position. We can do that, but every time I cast a spell, it weakens me a bit. I can't just keep casting over and over. Is there another way? Can you wait, Hez, until they arrive at the docks and just slip in at the same time as their car? Maybe if we can time it when the guard isn't looking. We can just open the gate as little as we can. Let Hez slip through it, close it, and hopefully no one will be the wiser. Yes. Yeah. Guard's there. Uh, yeah, just looking at his device, tapping away. All right. You keep an eye on him. Kurt, come get me. And Jet will make me invisible. We'll try and do this as quickly as possible. And get that door closed before he notices. Okay. You ready, Hez? I'm going to cast invisibility on you. I'm ready, Jet. Jet leans from around the corner and looks out through the fence to the distant alley where Hez is waiting. It's difficult to see her at this range, but she sees enough to target the spell. She braces herself against the side of the building and raises a hand in Hez's direction. As the magic flows, Jet feels her legs give out and she falls to one knee. I look down at my insubstantial body. This will never get old to me. You all right in there, Jet? I need to rest. I need to rest. I think you guys can do this. I'm just... I'm just gonna walk over there between the storage buildings and... I'm just gonna sit down. Try to recover a bit. Hang in there, Jetangeline. Yeah, just stick to the shadows. Okay? Stay safe. Stay low. Before I walk, I check in with Drager. What's that guard doing? Uh, yeah. He's looking at, uh, naked pictures of his mom. I don't know what he's doing, but he's staring at his phone. Okay. I walk up to the gate. I get out the keys, finding the correct one, and I attempt to open the gate. Kurt tries to turn the key, but it doesn't budge. He double checks to make sure he has the correct key and tries again. He removes the key and takes a cautionary glance at the guard post before examining the lock. Guys, the key isn't moving for some reason. They may have changed the lock since we were here. Yeah, this lock looks different. Shit. Hez, I can't keep the invisibility on you. I think you're gonna have to sneak in with the van. I'll sneak in while the vehicle goes in. But that means Kirk can't get into position until I'm up there. I sneak back to the corner where I started. Four hours pass uneventfully. At the stroke of midnight, a van turns onto the service road and heads towards the gate, its headlights cutting through the Bay Area fog. Kurt, are you in position so that I can lift you up and then get to the fuse box? Yeah, I'm in position. Good, be ready. I join Jet next to the small storage unit out of sight of the cameras. Kurt turns a corner and sees Jet sitting on the ground in the lotus position. It looks like she's been meditating. How you feeling? Better. Better. I'm ready to do this. Good. I see the van approach. I get in line to keep pace with it so that I can enter as it does. She has to stay as low as possible while crouch running to stay out of sight of the van's windows. She isn't completely invisible, and anyone looking out of the window and down at the street at the right time might notice a wavering shimmer outside. The van gradually slows down and stops at the gate. Ez takes a knee. 
you guys made it right on time. Yeah, we're ready for this. There are four orcs in this van. I remember them all from the chop shop. Good to know. We'll give you the money on the way out. All right, hold on a second. I'm just gonna take care of the cameras. The guard leans over and types mm. something into a computer. After a few moments, he returns to the window. And all right, no one's looking. Cameras are off. Good. He presses a button and the gate begins to open. Thanks, buddy. The van begins to drive into the docks. I move in with the van as it goes through the gate. I head over to Kurt. Uh, you gotta tell me when you're behind me, Ez. Invisibility works too well. Sorry, Kurt. I'm used to being seen ordinarily. Right. Good to see you made it. See in air quotes. I put a hand out so that Kurt can put his foot onto it, and then I can lift him up toward the roof so that he can climb onto my shoulders. I reach up to where I think Hez's collar is, and I grope for something to grab. Kurt grabs a handful of Hez's hair. Oh, I, okay. Sorry, can't, okay. can't really see. All right. I oh. take my hand away from her hair and, and search around for oh. a shoulder. I put my foot where I think her hands would be. We're becoming very intimate, Kurt. That's the only one way up. Okay. All right. What is okay. going on over there? All right. Uh, I just... What are you... Let me just shift... Okay, I reach out and grab the roof. <clears throat> I climb up onto the roof <sighs> with my gear. <sighs> All right, I'm up, I'm up. All right, good. Get into position, Drager. Don't worry about the cameras, guys. I think the guards shut them off for this deal. I'm getting inside. I'm going to put myself by the box and let me know when it's time to flip the switch. Drager, if you're getting closer than me, you should take the jammer. Kurt's message comes just a little too late. Drager, still invisible, has begun sneaking around the orcs who have gotten out of the van and begun posturing to each other. Come around the corner of the small storage unit. I can smell the orcs from here. They're looking around. There's four of them. Pretty big guys. I'll tiptoe softly by them when I see they're glancing down at their hands or looking up the street. I'll make my way to the dock. The orc's posturing has turned into an arm-punching contest of some kind. One orc struggles to free himself from a bigger orc's uncomfortable-looking headlock. As I'm gliding by the group, I took a good look at him. So here's what we got. There's, uh... One of them has tats on his wrists. We got another fellow with tiny glasses. Uh, ripped jeans on another one. And there's some sort of hat. Is it a hat? Some sort of crown thing on the guys. I don't know. I don't know what that is. Crown. Just call it a crown. You all get that? Glasses, crown, jeans, tats. Right? Got it. Good job, Drager. I'll post up on one of the boats. Drager successfully sneaks by the gang, onto the docks, and onto a moored speedboat. He crouches in the seating area. Hez is in the large warehouse attached to the guard post. She's placed herself behind one of the many boxes stored within. Guys, it looks like we got company. I see a light in the distance. Kurt, is there anything for you to hide behind up there? Can I can I drop this invisibility spell or will you be exposed? Yeah, you can drop the invisibility. 
I'll just get down as low as I can. That's probably not a good idea, but since I'm hidden in here, you can take it off of me. All right, dropping it now. Go ahead, thank you. I hide myself amidst the cover available in the warehouse, right next to the fuse box. I keep a lookout for the other guard with my thermographic vision. A wide raft breaks through the fog, heading directly to the dock where Draeger has hidden himself. A man wearing a billowing white trench coat, white button-up shirt, and white pants stands at the front with one leg up on the bow and hands confidently on his hips. Behind him is an orc wearing a purple tracksuit and gold medallion around his neck. So they're here. I count two guys, one in a white trench coat looking really full of himself, and another guy in what looks like an orc with a gold medallion and a tracksuit. No, I was hoping for more guys. There are only two on the boat? Yeah, yeah. Keep up the descriptions, Kurt. Otherwise, I won't know what's going on in here. On the boat, I see a crate and a couple pieces of heavy machinery. Not sure what they are, maybe weapons? Kurt, since you have the microphone, you can hear what goes down. Let us know when is the optimal time to shoot. I get out my laser microphone and point it at the two guys on the boat. The man in the white trench coat cranes his neck to look at the orc behind him. There, I see them. Are you ready to make a lot of money? <laughs> Hell yeah. You sure those things will work? I shan't be lifting anything other than a hefty cred stick tonight. Drones will be doing all the heavy lifting. Plus one quick command will turn those blood kings into... Uh... But if they try to pull anything... Excellent. Kurt sees the man in the trench coat turn his head back to the docks, his expression changing from a smile to an exasperated roll of the eyes once the orc can't see his face. Guys, I picked up some intel. On the microphone, I heard that those objects in the back are drones, and they're going to use them to lift something or other. And they talked about a lot of money, so this is looking promising. Good. This will all come in handy. What can we do with that hardware? I don't know. They're going to be lifting something. Maybe the orcs got something heavy. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was the heavy things in the van, right? Tracksuit tosses a rope and moors the raft to the platform. Draeger, on the other side, gets as low as he can, partially hiding behind a speedboat seat. Trenchcoat pops out and walks up to the platform to the docks while Tracksuit begins extending a ramp. The largest orc with the wrist tattoos leads two of the orcs to Trenchcoat, leaving the orc with the ripped jeans behind at the van. Can you hear anything from where you are, Draeger? They're right next to me. I can hear almost everything they're talking about. When it's time, I'll shoot the guy in the trench coat, and you shoot one of the orcs. Which one? One of the four orcs that got out of the van. Probably one in the back, so it looks like you're shooting from the other side. All right, I got my eyes trained on uh, spectacles over here. Let's see if I can shoot those glasses off his face. Don't do anything fancy. Just make sure you hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The man in the white trench coat addresses the largest orc. Taz? Can you hear? They nod to each other and look around, sweeping their vision over Draeger's location. Draeger remains as still as he can on the rocking speedboat. After a moment, they look back to each other. Got the new yen? Yeah, we got the new yen. You got the BTLs. King Lear snaps his fingers without breaking eye contact with Taz. Tracksuit looks down to a briefcase-sized control panel he is holding and starts twisting knobs and pressing buttons. 
Two drones that look like miniature tanks come to life and begin carrying a large wooden crate up the ramp on a metal stretcher. Taz's eyes suspiciously move from King Lear's face to the drones behind him. Right over here. King Lear turns and walks to the raft, producing a crowbar. After setting the crate down, the drone's turrets begin slowly turning in 360-degree arcs. They're doing the deal right now. King Lear wedges the crowbar under the top of the crate and pries it off. Take a look. Taz looks to spectacles and crown, then walks over to the crate. He peers inside. 600 dream chips, 300 moon chips, and 50 trip chips, all California hots, all pure and untraceable, regulators deactivated. The moon chips have the RAS override disabled, so the chip head can move around freely whilst using. 200 of those chips are snuff chips. You'll recognize them by the black border. The rest are pornographic one shots and recorded street crime, from petty theft to murder. Oh, and I almost forgot. He grabs a chip from the organized pile and holds it up to Taz's face. The finest heroic fantasies, straight from 2XS Studios. Get for a taste. Taz swipes the chip from King Lear's hand and examines it. It looks like a stylized, finger-length, rectangular circuit board with a mesmerizing holographic overlay and an embedded silver disc on one side. He then produces a small device from his pocket and slots it. After a moment, a green LED blinks. Taz removes the BTL and tosses it inside the crate. Looks like good shit, Lear. Taz looks behind at the van to rip jeans, who then reaches under the driver's seat of the van, pulls out a briefcase, and begins approaching the crate. Okay, when Rip Jeans gets there, we should take our shots. Definitely. Yes. Kurt, you should shoot first. If they don't return fire, then Draker, go ahead and you shoot, since you're in a more awkward position. They're in the only awkward position here. I'm fine. Hopefully, yes. We'll cut the power just a second later once they try to figure out what's going on. Taz looks beyond King Lear's shoulder at the drones. Those are, uh, some nice toys you got there. What are those, steel lynxes? No, they're a couple of Nissan Dobermans. I've been waiting to play around with these for a while. Oh, how great for you. I get out my jammer and point it in the direction of them, ready to turn it on. King Lear closes the crate. Rip Jeans hands the briefcase to Taz, who then lays it on top of the crate. He opens it, revealing three cred sticks laying side by side. 32 Okay, we've got confirmation of the money and the BTLs. I'm gonna take the shot. Standing by. Ready. All right, when you're ready, go ahead and jam them up and take the shot. Okay, I turn on my jammer. Tracksuit looks down at his control panel quizzically. I'm in prone position. I ready my pistol and take aim. I'm aiming for King Lear. by Paul Greenleaf. Drager is played by Marcus Freeman. Jatangeline is played by Mackenzie Paulus. Kurt is played by Chris Tommaso. Hez is played by Torvald Tempestus. Additional voices by Izzy Ayola, 
Christopher Spry, Taylor Briggs, Tony Campbell, Joe Carey, and Jesus Salinas from the Low Country Shadows podcast. Editing by Jesus Salinas, Cassie Polhammer, and Paul Greenleaf. Arrangement, original music, and production by Paul Greenleaf. For more story, character details, production notes, and how to support Sonic Realms, please visit sonicrealmspodcast.com. To learn more about the world of Shadowrun, visit shadowrun.com and shadowruntabletop.com. The Tops Company, Inc. has sole ownership of the names, logo, artwork, marks, photographs, sounds, audio, video, and or any proprietary material used in connection with the game Shadowrun. The Tops Company, Inc. has granted permission to Sonic Realms to use such names, logos, artwork, marks, and or any proprietary materials for promotional and informational purposes on its website, but does not endorse and is not affiliated with Sonic Realms in any official capacity whatsoever. All other works mentioned in the podcast are the property of their respective owners. Original content of the Sonic Realms podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 unported and share-like license. If you use any part of the show, please credit Sonic Realms. And hey, thanks for listening. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. Seriously, though, sorry it took so freaking long to make this episode. Uh, please don't sue me, Dan Harmon or Justin Roiland or Starburns or any corporation's toe I may have stepped on. Uh, let's work together. <laughs>